Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Maverick Mompreneur podcast. This is episode 72. I'm your host, Ashley, and I am so glad that you're listening today. I am thrilled to be able to introduce you to a very special guest who I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with, and she gave me so many ideas for how to boss up my own systems and my own business, and I just know you're going to benefit massively from her insight like I did. Allison Caffrey is an expert in the creation and implementation of operations and systems for business owners, for entrepreneurs, and she has a ton of experience helping companies and individuals to grow their businesses in this way. And she also owns two of her own businesses and manages a team of 13. She is a total boss. In addition to being an expert in operations, she is also a new mama who works with specifically mompreneurs to create maternity leave plans that support not only their family and their new life as a mom or adding in a new member to the family, but also their business. Toward the end of our conversation, she references that so many entrepreneurs she works with refer to their businesses as their babies, yet she is the one who helps them to raise those babies into more independent, self-sufficient children that can do things for themselves. And that's the goal. I'm so excited to let you dive into listening to her insights and perspectives on truly mastering maternity leave or really any extended time away from work as an entrepreneur. And if you know, you know, that can be stressful to step away from your business and not feel like it's coming to a dead stop. She has amazing expertise and ideas. So without further ado, please welcome Allison Caffrey to the show. Hey mama, I'm Ashley, and this is the Maverick Mompreneur podcast, where you're free and encouraged to own your desire to create and scale an impactful, discoverable online brand and business in the midst of motherhood, a business that's aligned with your mission, lifestyle desires, personality, and zone of genius without wasting your time on the hustle and grind hamster wheel that is social media. Can I get an amen? Sis, you are a maverick, an original, willing to stand out in your authenticity, defy expectations, and do life and business outside the box. In our world, if it's not aligned with who we are, it's a hard pass or a brave pivot. So if you're here for the powerful identity shift and transformation from boss babe or boss mom to aligned CEO, building a one of a kind, influential, hustle-free online business that will produce long-term impact and multiple streams of income through SEO, affiliate marketing and courses while building yourself in the process, Well, pop in those AirPods, grab that cup of coffee or glass of wine, and let's get growing. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about something I'm so excited about. This has been a long time coming. I literally don't know what has taken me so long. But my question for you is, are you on the struggle bus to come up with fresh and engaging content consistently for your business or your personal brand online. That's the case. Look no further than my brand new course, the content creation solution. The content creation solution is here to help. In this course, you'll learn practical strategies for creating high 
quality content that not only resonates with your audience, but it can be repurposed so that your reach is broadened. We'll cover everything from brainstorming ideas to creating a schedule that works for you and your business to writing compelling copy and even designing eye-catching visuals. You'll also get tips from me for optimizing your content for search engines and social media so that you can reach more people and grow your online presence. What really sets this course apart is my focus on real world, real business examples across industries, across niches, and creating systems to keep you cranking out content that actually converts to sales. You'll get plenty of opportunities to apply what you learn to your own content throughout the week as you learn from the three training drops and accompanying templates and worksheets, of course. And not only do you get the training, you get the opportunity for a Q&A with me at the end of the week. If you get in on this live version, there's a special introductory price for the live version. This time only, it's only $111. There's also a VIP upgrade available if you're someone who desires some one-on-one support as a complement to the program. Plus, what's really cool about getting in live, you'll get to connect with a supportive community of other content creators and business owners who can offer insight, inspiration, you can bounce things off of them, make connections. So whether you're a seasoned content marketer or you're just starting out, my course, The Content Creation Solution, is truly gonna give you the tools and the confidence that you need to create content that stands out and sets you apart. Take the first step toward becoming a content creation boss. Let's stop the scrolling and start the selling. Enroll now. There's a link to enroll for the live course in the show notes, or if you're listening to this in the future, it will be available self-paced. Okay, let's get to chatting with Miss Allison. Allison, thank you so much for being here on the Maverick Mompreneur podcast. I am very excited that I get the chance to interview you and find out all the amazing things that you have going on and hear a little bit about your journey. Thanks. Likewise, Ashley, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we are new friends. And so I feel like I have a bajillion and one questions, but I would love (laughs) if you could tell my listeners just about your journey in general. So what's your background? How did you get into what you're doing now? What is it that you do now? Tell me all the things. Yeah, sure, sure. So like everyone's journey to wherever they probably are right now, it hasn't always been the most glamorous thing ever. Um, I was actually got started in operations. Um, I was hired as an executive assistant in a small business. I was their second hire and there were a lot of things that they wanted to do. Um, When I grew with that business, um, I was quickly operations manager within the first year. And we did several coaching programs, several live events, several workshops, a digital course, like all of the crazy things that nobody should do all in the first year. (laughs) But we did it. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. We made it happen. Um, I was with that company for two and a half years, grew to lead a team of about 10 people, um, and then managed an outside sales team, you know, of over 30 people. And all of a sudden my husband was um, being relocated. He's prior military. And I was like, I need to exit this business, unfortunately. And so I sat down with the founder and we, you know, I broke the news to him and we started talking about what next steps were. And he was like, 
I really need you to stay on for like three more months. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, what a vulnerable place to be in as an owner, you know, doing your own thing and making your own income and carving your own path. How vulnerable is it to ask somebody to stay with you, right? If they're about yeah. to come in and give two weeks notice. And so what we did was we crafted a plan to get his operations really tidy in the 90 days that I gave him for transition. And then when I was finished with that project, um, I was full. My book of business was full the month after with people who come to me and said, I need you to do for me what you did for that person. And so yeah. operations agency was born. Um, so I've been running that business for the last five years. Amazing. And then about two and a half years ago, I had my first son and it shook my business. <laughs> it shook it. I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea um, that, you know, a lot of the time I was spending working on the business was actually working in the business. And I'm an operations person. I had no idea some of the pitfalls and, and shortcomings that I had around like marketing my business and, and selling my core service. And it really did cause me to think through how women might do this long-term, how women might take really intentional, um, you know, leaves from their business when they welcome, you know, a new member of their family, or if they want to take a really, uh, you know, a long-term vacation or a month off yep. in the summer, something like that. Right. And really be with their family and have the business serve their family and not the other way around. Right. right. Um, so with my second son, he was born, actually, he'll be one next week. Um, so he was born a year ago. And I approached that leave so much differently. I really crafted a unique experience that I felt good about. And I felt like my team had what they needed. And I felt like I could access working at points that felt comfortable for me. And um, I wanted to share that with other mompreneurs because I think ultimately we want to um, work on our business because we love our business and we love our clients and we are passionate about the problems that we're solving and the things that we're doing. And um, I don't want us to lose sight of that, um, you know, as we start to grow our family, because we can have both. It's challenging, um, but we can have both. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I am past the stage of life where I'm having babies and my first, my daughter is almost seven. And when I had her and when a maternity leave, it was traditional maternity leave. I was working in special education. And so school district, you know, gives you a certain amount of time off. And then I took some mm -hmm. you know, paid time off and I really didn't have anything to do. I wasn't still working. And then I remembered after I went back to work for a year and then retired from special education. And then remember thinking like, how would I, how would I ever have another child? And I remember distinctly thinking that not that that was the reason for the decision to not have more children, but I remember thinking that very thing, how would I do this? How would I run my own business? How would I balance it? I never had to face that question, but I know so many people who are listening, who are mamas who have their own businesses really struggle with that. And many of them end up letting go of their business because they want to prioritize family. And so it's so nice to hear you mm -hmm. say that there's another, there's an alternate approach, which you have to be strategic about. So I would just love to hear more about how do you plan for an intentional maternity leave when you have an online business? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because our approach, although, you know, very specific, um, it ultimately creates unique results, right? So mm -hmm. the thing that I will say is that the one size fits all maternity leave 
should go out the window, like absolutely should go out the window because I made that mistake with my first leave. I was really, really dead set on having this Parisian three month pause in life. I was like, I'm yes. just going to pause everything. And the reality is, is you can't pause everything, right? You're just living in denial. And mm-hmm. I think all the things, right. When you come home from the hospital, they're still there. And then you just have to heal internally and emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. and all the things. And then you have all of these new demands on you physically and emotionally and all the, all the stuff. Right. So I think being in a position to say, okay, I want to plan a leave that makes me still feel like me, meaning I can do the things in my business that I really love doing and the things that are either non-negotiable because of the state of growth that you're in or talking to the specific team members that you need to talk to, but also really systematically assessing what you is necessary to be on your plate and what can be offloaded. And so this might be a really great opportunity for you to hire and train your first assistant. Um, Even though it feels really unaccessible in the budget, we really help moms explore this way to assess the ways that they're spending their time and really be able to enlist some support here. Because ultimately, if we want to grow a business, if we want to grow a family, right, we can't do it all by ourselves. And we can make some really, really incredible impact in both arenas. But at the end of the day, unless we can kind of raise our hand and say, hey, listen, this is where I need some support. That's one of the biggest muscles as a mom and as an entrepreneur that you're going to need to exercise because we don't go it alone, right? We really do need that community support. So realizing, okay, who do I might... Who might I, excuse me, need on my side to be able to have a leave that I really desire? What's the timeline look like, right? Where am I really giving myself some bandwidth to be able to actually, yes, be present with my child and with my growing family if you have other kids as well, right? You want to make sure that they don't feel super left out from the process mm-hmm. and and get the time that they need from you as well. Um, and then really create and craft a communication plan, both internally for your team and you know externally for your clients to let them know, hey, listen, things aren't falling apart behind the scenes just because I'm going out on leave. Um, I had a mom that I actually interviewed on my show who told me that she wore a super baggy shirt when she was pregnant with her first daughter because she was running a design agency in Colorado and she was about to ink the biggest deal of her business. And she was petrified that this person was going to find out she was pregnant because of the fact that he thought maybe everything was going to fall apart a few months after the fact. And I remember thinking to myself, first of all, that sucks. That really sucks. Not being able to show your excitement about your growing family Mm -hmm. is one of the saddest things when moms enter a workplace in general, but when they enter a workplace of their own making Mm -hmm. and they have to hide their pregnancy, that's even worse in my opinion, right? You should be able to be honest and open with your team and with your clients about what's happening and share with them behind the scenes, the work that you're doing to make sure that they don't experience any hiccup in the delivery of what you're providing them. And so that's the experience that we work with um, when we work with one-on-one moms who are expecting is, is we really try to craft an operational experience that can support them, the team, and their clients in any sort of absence that they want to plan with their family. I love that. And I mean, really, truly, I'm imagining that the same process would apply. And I think you mentioned before for extended vacation, if you wanted to take off, for example, for myself, and I know I have a couple of clients who take off, not fully, but partially summers because all the kids are home, you know? And so it's a completely different type of work schedule and figuring out, okay, how do I keep this thing going optimally when I have less devoted work time and all of those things. So I'm wondering if you find thinking back on my maternity leave and how it would look now. Do your clients struggle with mom guilt or feeling like they should have this certain type of maternity leave where they're just devoted to their baby and nothing else? 
Uh, I remember thinking even I started my first blog, it was back in 2016, started my first blog on maternity leave. And I remember, I don't know if it was guilt, but I felt like I was a little bit weird for having a desire to create and do something because I was, I had no work from my actual job, but I wanted to do something that excited me and used my brain. But I, I had this thing in the back of my mind where I felt I, yeah, a little bit guilty for being home with my baby, the blessing of being able to do that, that was not enough or whatever. And I, I don't know, did your clients struggle with that? Do you? Totally. They do. And I honestly, I interview moms on my show constantly who still struggle with that, even if their kids are older, right? They're in a position where they're like, Ooh, my kid's home from school, but I have, you know, these things that I really want to do to grow my business. And so I'm going to wait until 5 PM and sign off. Like my kids are downstairs right now playing with my husband and it snowed like four or five inches last night. And they went out earlier to play in the snow. And I was like, okay, I have a choice to make here. I can either go upstairs and do some of the work that I had slotted out for today, or I could take half an hour and go outside and play with them in the snow. And I have that flexibility because I know that I have systems in place to be able to support me. If for example, I want to make the decision and I did, I went outside, I played with my kids for 30 minutes and I came back in and I sat down at my desk. And now, even though I hear them downstairs playing, I'm going to work until five 30 when I have all my mm-hmm. stuff buttoned up. And then I'm going to go down with a fresh mind and join them. I think the things I encourage my clients with and the folks that I talk to in this space who really struggle with, with this guilt and being able to feel kind of like a full person outside of being a mom mm-hmm. is that that makes you a better mom, right? Being a whole person yep. and not feeling disjointed and not feeling like you're leaving things on the table helps you show up in the times that you're with your family much more intentionally, much more presently. I know I see that in my relationship with my family. I know that if I have a thousand loops that are open in my brain, or if I've been meaning to do something and just haven't seen it to the finish line, it really does creep into my family life. And I think we beat ourselves up about taking this time for ourselves um, because it, it just feels, or we've been conditioned or, you know, everyone makes us feel bad about taking that time for ourselves. And it seems quote unquote selfish, but really mm-hmm. it gives back in such a more meaningful way to our family. And it strengthens those relationships. We never want our kids to be a reason why we didn't do something or we don't have enough time, because even if we're not actively building resentment toward our family, there has to be something going on in the back of our mind that we make the excuse that we couldn't do something because of our children. And I Mm -hmm. never want my kids ever, ever, ever to hear me on a show or hear me anywhere in public saying that I didn't have enough time to do X, Y, or Z because of my children. Yes. I'm hundred percent in alignment on that. <laughs> okay. I love systems and strategies and all of these things. So I'm wondering what would be the top, let's say the top two or three things that someone who is planning for maternity leave or an extended leave systems that they would need to have in place or the, the most mm-hmm. critical. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So we have three pillars that we work with operationally with our clients at operations agency and with our clients at master maternity leave. Uh, We take first pass at centralized standard operating procedures. So what that basically means is nothing lives just between the ears of any one team member, right? Mm -hmm. We got to get things out of people's brains Mm -hmm. and centralized. This looks like a working living playbook, uh, you know, a, a place where we can go and get questions answered on how to do something, a template to get something done faster, a resource as a past example for how something gets done. We really have have the framing built out um, for all of our clients that we work with across both brands, because that's a critical, critical piece Mm -hmm. to make sure that, for example, like babies come early. 
all the yeah. time. <laughs> and we need to make sure that if yeah. baby comes early, we're ready for somebody to plug in and send client update emails or take this mm -hmm. website to the finish line or whatever mm -hmm. needs to happen in your day-to-day -day so that we can keep functioning. Second big mm -hmm. pillar is centralized project management. So a lot of teams miss this and a lot of founders are also their own project managers. We need to make a systematized way to manage projects. I'm raising and we my also hand. <laughs> It's so true though, right? Because that's yeah. what ends up happening. We start yeah. a business because we can get cool results and then we end up micromanaging our entire way that that gets done. And it's really challenging yeah. for founders to like weave themselves out of that process. And so what we help to do is like really establish what is our project management process and how do we systematically work the founder out of the core nuts and bolts of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's pillar number two. And pillar number three is metrics that matter right? I know personally that the way that I was able to have my maternity leave with my second son, John, is by really centralizing core metrics in front of me so that I knew that the team was great at what they were doing and the team mm. was on pace with what I thought needed to be getting done. I didn't need to be jumping into the project management tool. I didn't open my email. I was just really, really keen on looking at the metrics when they were updated at the cadence that I decided with my team prior. And it was mm -hmm. extremely impactful for me to just decrease that stress level, wondering what was going on behind the scenes in the business while I was tending to my family. Amazing. Do you have a, your own kind of, I don't know if it would be a CRM or technology that you use. I mean, I'm such an old school Google suite, all the Google things yeah. give it to me that that's what I use. But do you have a preferred <laughs> yeah. for your clients? What you do, you tailor it to what they're already using, or do you have a recommended software? Like, what do you love using for systematizing? Yeah. I love that you mentioned Google Suite because my opinion and my answer to this question, it's honestly the number one question I get on all my interviews that I ever do, um, mm -hmm. is that technology isn't going to make or break your operations, right? We're very tech agnostic because my opinion is, is that we need to use whatever it is you're going to use day in and day out. And oh, so yes. if that begins with Sheets, if that begins with Google Docs, amazing, right? Let's make sure mm -hmm. we use and abuse the structure that we have. And then what we can do is just audition pieces of technology to fit those needs down the line if we feel like it's necessary to move. So for us, I've managed my business for the last five years. So we celebrated five in October um, in Congrats. Google Sheets. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, we've managed everything on Google Sheets. And just yeah. recently have we moved everything from a projects perspective over to Airtable. Um, okay. So it's been a very recent migration. It's an expensive, mm -hmm. a relatively expensive platform to be moving over my entire team to I have a team of 14. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very, um, how do I put it? Like it kind of puts a, a little bit of a wrench in the operations. We're doing it in stages. So it feels a little bit more migratory and a little bit more uh, digestible, right? Overall mm -hmm. in the workflow. Um, but we really do, we plug into the existing tech stack of, you know, who we work with and what we'll do is we'll make recommendations for certain things. We can build out certain platforms like project management tools and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and we really try to centralize key metrics um, inside of Sheets because honestly, it's the most fun to play with and the most opportunities yeah at least that exists right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm glad to hear I'm not too off base with Google. I have no, one, sure one team member currently, and I want to talk to you more about hiring and all kinds of things. I don't know how much time we have, but um, she, <laughs> I was doing everything on a very cool, 
but very outdated, like paper, pencil and paper. And when I was a solopreneur just by myself, that worked just fine. But my team member mm-hmm. said, um, this needs to be accessible to both of us. Like, totally. fair enough. So I transferred everything to Google, just like I used to do for case management back when I was in special education and just recreated the system for a new business. And now that's running well, but that took me a long time. I think I had so much mental stress about how difficult that was going to be to transfer from my old system to Google. And it wasn't at all. And it's made things completely different. You have a team of 14. So on a day-to-day basis now, now that you're not on maternity leave, what are the main things that you are doing as the founder? Yeah, totally. Um, So my week, actually, I'll even just pull up my calendar. I actually have a really intentional way that I block my time. Um, So I have um, team. So I'm a team leader. That's probably my number one, um, Mm -hmm. you know, job description uh, element right now is that I'm the leader of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing that I do um, is I establish partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, I'll reach out. I think that's how we connected originally. Yep. I was just like, Hey, I love your content. This yep. is super cool. I wonder if we could collaborate. Um, yep. I'm really, really great at forming relationships. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things. Yep. Um, I also lead my sales and marketing team. So whatever content gets put out, um, I generate that content. I'll record videos. I have a podcast, mm-hmm. like I said, where I mm-hmm. interview entrepreneurs. Um, so for the most part, I, for the most, like, you know, I, I do those, those big pieces, right. The marketing piece, the sales piece, the team leadership piece. Um, and I think for me specifically, those are, I would say like with the exception of marketing, we're looking to like really staff that. Um, and we actually did just recently hire a community manager. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm looking to staff that. And I think, uh, it's funny because sometimes you look at like other moms or other business owners who are running businesses and you're like, Oh, cool. This is something that maybe I would want to do one day, or Mm -hmm. I really love how their brand or how their stuff is pulled together. And then you like, look at it and you're like, okay, this is great, but it's a process, right? You don't wake up overnight with, uh, you know, a team and you don't wake up overnight, not having to do a lot of the nitty gritty in your business. And I think being okay with that transition and having a plan for Mm -hmm. how you're going to get that off your plate and what the next steps are is definitely what's going to make that dream a reality. And a lot more attainable, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes what we do is we get in our own head, like you did about the Google transfer, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, this is going to be so challenging and it's going to be so different in my day to day. And I need to be a different person now, right? I need to be the person Mm -hmm. that puts things in Google instead of writes them down on my, on my pad. And honestly, I have a pad sitting next to me right now and I have never gotten away from scratching physical notes of yeah. things, but I've, we have a process now where like things get digitized and things get passed over to the team. And so it just takes time. It takes building muscles, you know, similar to getting back in shape, right? You want to be yep. in a position where you can start with a quick brisk walk around the neighborhood, right? Start mm-hmm. there and then build the muscle of doing it every day. And then maybe you do a couple of body weight exercises and then take your brisk walk. And so really we can start to build, you know, build over time. For sure. Any advice on letting go as a business owner, letting go of control, whether you're going on leave or you're going on an extended vacation, or even just working your day-to-day business and scaling and needing to offload tasks. I know I struggle with that. I know I have clients who struggle with that. The thought of letting go of control or figuring out where to start and handing something off is intimidating. So Mm-hmm. as someone who has experience with that, any advice or tips on that? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is don't strive for 100% delegation at the first clip. 
Um, so mm. a lot of people will say, oh, I want to get this specific thing off my plate. And then they will attempt to delegate the entirety of the task to a person or to a, a software or to something, right? Mm -hmm. And it ends up failing them because they don't know all the ins and outs. They don't have the acumen to be able to perform the task. So my mm -hmm. opinion is, is get 20% of it off your plate. Take a small chunk of that and say, if you can save me 20% of my time on this task, let's start there mm -hmm. and then we can move forward. It's a little easier too for the person receiving the information and receiving the new task. Um, it's much more likely that that will meet with longevity. <laughs> You'll be able oh. to transfer it. That makes so much sense. And I'm applying that to actual situations like, oh, that's why that didn't work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it can be overwhelming too. If mm -hmm. you have a workflow in your brain and you've created that workflow and you're like, here, do this. It mm -hmm. makes sense to me. It should automatically transfer. No. So yep. progressively offloading. I love that. Thank you. That's yeah. Awesome. Progressively offload. And then the second big thing is that there is confidence in process. Yes. And so I think as you have a workflow, I think 99.9% .9 of the time when something feels offloadable, or I can get this done faster, or I can get this done mm -hmm. better, all that talk that's up here in our brains, mm -hmm. it's because we haven't crystallized our process that we feel comfortable enough to hand it over to somebody. And again, that's where the 20% rule comes in, right? You do 20% yep. increments of that thing. You say, okay, I don't know the full process, but I for sure know how to onboard. I for sure know how to onboard a client. I yeah. know how that works. We have yeah. specific administrative things that need to happen. So I'm going to pass that bit off first, but then I'll do the initial strategy because I'm not exactly still sure. Like some of it's a little bit ad lib or it feels ad lib to me. And what I do is I encourage folks that they do have a process. They do have something that they can write down. And I help unearth that for them so that they can at least get version one down on paper and be able yes. to have somebody sub in in their absence. Yes. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. I had an influx of one-on-one -on -one clients and kind of done for you things, which is taking a lot of my time mm -hmm. and I love it. I'm excited about it, but I've been having a lot of these conversations with myself lately. Like, you know what I need to really, I have the process in my mind, but I need to have that be transferable because onboarding, for example, that would be a great thing to hand off the things that don't require our time and our brain and our, yes. you know, that's yeah. That strategic input, right. At onboarding mm -hmm. is probably, I would say the number one thing is onboarding project management and administrative assisting or like EA mm -hmm. level work. Mm -hmm. Um, those three big buckets are usually where I find moms like more than half of their time. back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. this is, so, it's, it's such interesting timing that we ended up veering off and talking about this. How about, this is a question that I get a lot when you're starting out. So say you're, you're going to hire your first virtual assistant or team member or whatever it might be, but you're not exactly at the point where you feel comfortable doing that financially. And I think for me, that was the end of 2019 was when I hired on my first VA and I was in a position where I felt comfortable investing the amount per month. But I know I have a lot of clients who are like, I'm not there yet, but I can see, oh my gosh, if there's no other wiggle room, like you need help. How do you speak with your clients who might be a little bit hesitant to invest in offloading so that they can have time to work on the things that require. Okay. Um, so I have, I have a partner and colleague who has a fantastic framework for this. Um, it's okay. called developing your buyback rate. Um, he actually has a book out. If you want to uh, yes. purchase it, it's called buyback your time. And his name is Dan Martell. Um, he's a partner of ours. He is a wonderful, wonderful resource. And this is a fantastic book. Um, but basically he says that um, what you need to do is you need to calculate your buyback rate. And so that is the amount that your company is paying you, include your salary, your discretionary expenses, 
expenses and your uh, distributions as an owner. And then we divide that by 2000 hours. So that's working hours, assuming that you're working a 40 hour week and you're taking a two week vacation one time per year. So let's just say that that's the number. And that is what you're making, or excuse me, what your hour is worth to the organization. So let's just say I make 80 grand a year. I divide that by 2000 hours. My time costs my business $40 per hour. Now, if I'm holding on to tasks that I could otherwise offload for less than what that costs, I am costing my company money. Mm, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So that really concretely, <laughs> exactly. It concretely yeah. describes, Ooh. right? Because most of us are living in that like five to $800 an hour range. And you're like, oh, dang, I shouldn't be answering my emails. I shouldn't be doing my calendar bookings. And so it starts to really do these things. And it's funny because a lot of the women specifically that I talk with about this, a lot of the mompreneurs are like, well, who am I? I don't need an assistant. Like I can do all the things. And we always want to bootstrap it for ourselves because we don't want to give that control. Or maybe deep down, we don't feel like we're worth having an assistant. Or maybe we don't feel like we're worth some of the the upgrades that we want to make in our personal life to have somebody come in and do the laundry or, Mm -hmm. you know, take the cars to get serviced or whatever it's going to be. But really, if we start to concretely define, well, actually, if I need to go sit at Toyota for two hours with my forerunner, this is going to cost my company like a thousand dollars. And it's really a challenge uh, for us, especially when we start to calculate opportunity costs, right? So it's the flip side of that, right? If I was working on something that could be generating us new business, what might that be worth to my organization? And so that's one of the big ways I love to assess time. And then the other really awesome framework he has is um, audit transfer fill. And so the um, fill part is actually the biggest piece I see entrepreneurs miss mm-hmm. is that they audit for their time and how they're spending it. And they're like, I want to offload this. So they find a way to transfer it to somebody, but then they don't fill it and ascend to that next level in the business. Uh, so they just kind of stay in that same, oh, well, I'll just do more sales calls or I'll just do mm-hmm. whatever else. And you're like, nope, you need to ascend to the next level that your yep. organization needs you to be at, which might mean developing your leadership skills, which might mm-hmm. mean, you know, uh, approaching new partners or figuring out how you can up-level your brand. And so those types of things are really the next step or the next phase is that audit transfer fill and then making sure we always know what is our buyback rate? It's top of mind. Anytime that you're in a position where you're assessing quarterly revenues, if you don't Mm -hmm. have your books tightened up and you're managing cash as it exists in your bank account, please, goodness gracious, don't do that either. Um, so that's, and I'm not a financial advisor. Don't take any of my, um, don't take any of my stuff very seriously or don't take it seriously at all. But nonetheless, I think, um, that's that's another big thing. Yeah. That needs to happen. Oh, so good. I'm nervous, but we'll definitely figure out my buyback rate. And for those of you (laughs) listening, I suggest you do too, because sometimes we need that black and white, in order to totally. give ourselves permission to do some of the things that we absolutely need to do. Well, anything else that you can think of that you'd like to share with our listeners? This has been so fascinating. I wish we had like all the time in the world. Maybe we'll have to do a part two. <laughs> no. Yeah. I appreciate this. And I'd be super happy to come back for a part two. Um, no, the only thing that I would say just kind of to put the bow on, I guess all of the conversations that we're having is that um, we need to realize that there are opportunities to make our business better operationally. And just like, you know, marketing and sales and fulfillment and uh, all the things that we are constantly inundated with in the marketplace to make better 
better. And we're, you know, shown lots of different strategies. Mm -hmm. Operations is probably one of the unsexiest ways to grow a business. And it's probably also one of the most tried and true. I know a lot of companies who have stood the test of time and a lot of firms that have grown over 30, 50 employees who really just focus on tightening things up behind the scenes. And we can generate opportunities like maternity leave, like taking long-term sabbaticals, mm -hmm. like working ourselves out of the core functions of our business to be able to enable a team mm -hmm. that can take things over in our absence. Um, and ultimately to just make the business independent of any one person, right? We don't want right. to be left in the lurch when someone goes out on leave. We don't want to be left in the lurch when, you know, someone decides that this isn't a fit for them anymore and they're mm -hmm. going to take on their next opportunity, right? We want our business to be a living, breathing, functioning thing in and of its own. Very much like, you know, we raise a child to mm -hmm. become a thriving adult, right? I hear all the time, my business is my baby. My business is my baby. I'm like, well, when does the business become your capable adolescent? And when does your business <laughs> become your thriving adult? Like, when does that right. happen? And where do we know where we can start to pull back from our involvement and in how that person makes decisions in their life and how that person shows up and, you know, communicates with others and makes friends and makes new relationships and all those things. And so that's kind of my big, you know, I guess why behind a lot of the things that I'm doing is because I think running a business and having a family is so similar. It's so similar mm -hmm. every single day that I am, and I'm a new mom, <laughs> but every single day I, I really realize this, that, you know, it's, it's so interesting because you have this thing that was made by you and is nurtured by you. And then we need to be in a position to be able to provide it resources so that it can thrive outside of us. Mm -hmm. And so that's our, that's our, um, our calling as both moms and as founders of our business is to make sure that there are enough resources out there so that it can function independently of us. But at least you can know that if you have operations in place, when you're applying your effort and you are working, it's not wasting that opportunity. It's not wasting that time. So this is something like, oh, work smarter, not harder. Having operations would absolutely, or tight operations would really add to feeling that that is what you're accomplishing because a lot of times you just sit down and mindlessly do things. And I think your background is amazing to lend itself towards personal brands who most of my listeners are personal brands. They're selling either affiliate products or their own courses or offers. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in the space, especially in coaching or even in the influencer world, we don't focus on operations and those systems. We hear things like, oh, it's supposed to be easy and flowy and wouldn't that be nice? And I don't know, I've never operated that way, but I think there's that message so often and things look easy and on the back end, there's help, there's systems, there's all of these things to take into account. And so I'm excited that hopefully I know you've shed light on that for our listeners that it's worth investing investing your time and or money into getting these things in place so that you can have the lifestyle that you want. It's possible, but it's not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks or being willy nilly and flying by the seat of your pants every day and hoping team members pick up balls that you're dropping because you don't have a system. I mean, I'm speaking to myself here in some ways, <laughs> but yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's 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 so easy to look at others who have something again that we that we want or that mm -hmm. we envision for ourselves in the future and um think that it's easy for them and yeah. um nothing. I mean, this has been true with almost every experience I've had. Like not nothing worth having comes easily, right? No. You need to be able to to work at things and even if you are a very gifted athlete or a very gifted business owner in your specific vertical for your specific marketplace solution, right. there still is going to be work that happens that you need to 
develop new skills and figure out a way to do something before you have the budget to bring in an expert or before you have the budget to bring in a team member. And so, you know, it's constant iteration. The only thing it's funny, my husband and I say this all the time is the only thing that's true is there will always be a schedule. And the only thing that's truer than that, it's going to be different than it was tomorrow or yesterday. And Mm so it's so true. Like having operations is so critical, but we're supposed to break stuff. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to you know, do new things and launch new products and be iterative. And that's okay. We just need to do today's best work and get that down so that we can learn tomorrow and approach the new thing with confidence. And so I always see operations as like the business's diary, right? Like how did we get here and how do we feel about it? And then someone can come back and read it and be like, oh, cool. I know this person intimately now and I can partner with their future growth. I love it. I love the intentionality so much. And I know my listeners are going to super appreciate hearing from you where, if they want more from you, if they want to connect with you, where are the best places to do? So I'll put everything in the show notes, but what's, what's your preferred contact method? Yeah, yeah. Where can they find yeah you? of course. I am on all the socials. So at operations agency or at master maternity leave. Um, also you can hop over to either website, uh, depending on your specific situation. If you're an expecting mom, or if you're just looking to really dial into some of the operational elements you can implement into your business. I have a really cool YouTube channel called three minute ops tips. If you Google that, um, you should be able to find me, um, where I just give like some prohibitively quick information and things that you can inject into your business immediately. Um, so that's super fun. I'm also at growingpainspodcast.com. If you you want to hear me interviewing moms growing businesses and growing families simultaneously. It's always a, I say my therapy session. It's very, very fun. <laughs> Love it. Yay. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Allison. I look forward to continuing on getting to know you and I'm just thankful for your time and for your expertise. Yeah. Likewise, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Take care. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My goal is to help as many women in business online as possible to build strong, powerful, aligned, and profitable personal brands. The best way to show you appreciate this content is to screenshot and share on your social media or share with your team. Actually, even better would be to also leave a review for the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. If you are looking for any additional support, you can always reach me via email at hello at elevatedwithashley.com. You can DM me on Instagram at Ashley R. Latimer or join us in the free Elevate Academy for brand building, maverick marketers, and mom. Entrepreneurs Facebook community. Can't wait to chat with you next week.